Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, October 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. What a game at Arrowhead on Monday night. The Chiefs fell behind the Las Vegas Raiders 17-0, rallied to take a 30-29 lead, and then held on in the end for the one-point victory. Emotions ran high on both sides. I've never seen Andy Reid as angry on the sidelines as when he argued against the Chris Jones roughing the passer penalty, or how about Devontae Adams, the Raiders wide receiver who pushed over the technician as he was leaving the field. But in the end, the Chiefs prevailed behind four touchdown receptions from Travis Kelsey. That's a career best. After the game, star beat writers Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, and columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell broke it all down. Let's get started. Hello from Arrowhead Stadium. Welcome to Sports Beat Live. This is our Chiefs post-game show with the folks in the media who know them best. You see Jesse Newell, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Sam McDowell here. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Um, what a game that we saw tonight with the Chiefs outlasting the Las Vegas Raiders 30-29 to in a game that we did not know who was going to win until about 40 seconds remained in a fourth down pass from Derek Carr to, I don't know who the intended receiver was, it was either Devontae Adams or Hunter Renfro, fell incomplete as they fell over each other on a fourth down pass, but it ended a crazy game in which the Chiefs fell behind 17 to nothing, then outscored the Raiders. What do I have here? 30 to 6 before finally prevailing 30 to 29. So send us your questions and comments. Talk about this game with us. And uh, look, there's so many places we can go. Why don't, you know, there, there's, there's Travis Kelsey catching four touchdown passes for the first time in his career. There's the, um, Devontae, Adam, Devontae Adams having an incredible game. Same with Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. Um, the Chris Jones roughing the passer uh, penalty right before the end of the first half, which had this stadium booing as loudly as I've ever heard it. And Andy Reid as angry as I've ever seen him. But um, maybe maybe we'll start with a little bit of a big picture. Sam McDowell, what, um, uh, what's, what's a you know, what's the meaning of a game like this where the Chiefs fell helplessly behind, it seemed? I know we've looked at some people along press row, and I counted them out. I'll admit it. When they were down 17 nothing, I thought it was over for the Chiefs. Um, but what did you think? Well, it's the first time we've seen this particular iteration of this team come back from a deficit like that. I mean, this is a different group than the 2019 team. So, it's significant in that sense. And, you know, from being in the locker room and, and the news conferences after the game, you certainly learned the moments within the game that you felt like finally woke this team up, whether it was the Chris Jones penalty. I thought that Jarek McKinnon run was really big um, because the Chiefs, the reason they got that in that hole was a lack of phys- physicality in the game. Uh, the Jarek McKinnon run, I thought, changed that. Um, but also apparently there was, there were some really direct words from Patrick Mahomes to his offensive lineman at one point in the second quarter. Um, and I've, I heard some offensive linemen talk about it. And then you heard Patrick Mahomes talk about it. Um, but I think my bigger takeaway is that it would be nice at some point if, if those, you know, as great as that is that the, that the Chiefs found a way to get motivated. And I, I think Patrick Mahomes found a way to get motivated because Max Crosby insisted that he would. Um, but it'd be nice if it wasn't necessary to have those moments in a game. Um, 
you know, it's 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 Monday night football out here. They only get 17 of these games a year. Only one of them is a Monday night home game. Um, and I, I think the Chiefs should have played more like that from the beginning, recognizing that they can't play a perfect game for all four quarters. But it was really evident that they were not ready to play in that first quarter. The Raiders just manhandle them physicality, physically and, and both sides of the ball. And like I said, they, they had moments that, that, that woke them up, but I don't think that a game like this should require moments to, uh, to wake you up. Yeah, Max Crosby in particular was uh, was, was pretty physical. The, the entire Raiders defense was for sure. Vahe, what um, uh, what's, what's your what's your exploration of this uh, of this game? Yeah, it's a little of the same thing, Blair. Um, I think that the interesting thing you can take away from this game is if you're looking at the arc of a season, you can say to yourself, okay, it, they got better through this, right? They they found a gear that they didn't have. But we are left a little bit with the uh, the mystery of the, the the sort of inexplicable doldrums when you're you're playing here on a Monday night football game against an AFC West team. They kind of just had a little uh, wake up call two weeks ago in Indianapolis, and you know I think you, you you would like to understand that they don't feel like they can just show up and win a game. Now I'm saying this as a point of motivation, but um, you know in some ways uh, the Raiders just appeared better than them in certain phases of the games at different times tonight. And sometimes that's not just about motivation. That's just matchups. So, um, you know, it was a lot of the, the Rorschach test in this, right? You can, you can sort of see what you want to in it. And um, I, I'd say it's a literally a win. And I think it's a, I actually think it's a, a bigger net win for the chiefs, but they're, they're playing with fire too. Herbie, I don't think I've ever seen Andy Reid as mad as he was on, on the sideline, um, I, I I don't have the time of, of the uh, of the Chris Jones roughing the passer flag, uh, but whatever time remained, Andy Reid spent it <laughs> just trying to get Carl Cheffer's attention and and uh, and him down. It was kind of funny, to, a little amusing to watch. But have you ever seen him that angry? I haven't, and you know, I, I actually asked him after the game. Uh, you know, I, I said, Andy, I don't think I've ever seen you this angry before. And he immediately shut me down. I was like, your guys are trying to get me fined right now. And, <laughs> and so he just deflected on it. But you're right. You know, he, he was pretty animated. Uh, and you saw that at the end of the half, he took off his microphone gear and stuck around and then made a beeline right for Sheffers and called him over and was very demonstrative with his hands pointing left and right before he turned around and left. Every reason to be upset about it, though, you know, I, I I think, if anything, the NFL needs to look at how they penalize roughing the passer. You know, there was a fumble. He was going for the ball. You know, it's not Chris Jones' fault that Derek Carr happens to be in his way as, you know, as as Jones is trying to get to the football. So a lot of things in play here. You know, they got to take a look at that. No, no doubt about it. Of course, we've got the uh, the explanation from uh, Carl Sheffers, the the referee, after the game, Adam Teicher, our friend who works for ESPN now, went down and was the pool reporter that got the uh, that got the quotes from from Carl Sheffers. If you haven't seen them, they're they're on KansasCity.com. I wrote a quick story about uh, Chris Jones' reaction and and Carl Sheffers. But before we get kind of a little more detail into that, um, Jesse, so many so many different places to go here, um, but. I want to know if you've given much thought to 
both teams two-point conversion decisions on their last touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs, when they went up uh, 30-23, to 23, going for two, and uh, what, what was the time left? About seven minutes, maybe seven and a half minutes. And then the Raiders, uh, when the Chiefs failed to make it, the Raiders crawling within one with four minutes to play and going for two and not making it. I just thought um, – I, I didn't think either coach made the right decision in, in, in both instances. Well, real quick, Blair, a couple things. One, I love the background you have. I'm imagining <laughs> you being the small spoon with Patrick being the big spoon and his arms are kind of coming around your waist right now. So it's a great mental image. I want to start with that. Uh, number two, if you're a Chiefs fan out there, my goodness, I mean, how big of a win is this? How important is this? And I'm looking at the yards per play, 6.8 for the Raiders, 5.3 for the Chiefs, and you win this game? You're 4-1. and one. I mean, I know we talked about the game that they gave away against the Colts, but um, – Anytime you win a game when you get 1.5 yards per play less than the other team, you stole one. And the Chiefs stole one today. You know, we can look at that holding penalty that happened on the uh, the field goal attempt that the Chiefs really made the Raiders pay on to. Uh, you know, that, that one, a big call in that game as well. As far as the two-way conversions, uh, it was fascinating. I did not think the Raiders would go for two that late because if you get it, then you're sort of forcing the Chiefs to be aggressive with four minutes left. So I think you sort of want to let a sleeping dog lie. And honestly, I think the Raiders kind of did a horrible job of that. They got up 17-0 and then... All of a sudden, I wrote his name down, 25, uh, Trevon Morris, or Morig, for the Raiders. He started talking some trash to Travis Kelsey. Start, Travis Kelsey started catching passes and talking trash back to him. Uh, obviously, we saw Max Crosby going back and forth with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think the Raiders would have been a lot better spot if they would, just could, could, would, would have continued kicking the Chiefs' butt and stopped opening their mouths. Instead, they sort of woke up a sleeping dog. That call happened. It had a little bit of Allen Fieldhouse feel where there's a bad call at Allen Fieldhouse in the second half. Every call goes KU's way, and that sort of seemed like it was with the Chiefs. But as far as the toy conversion, you know, it's it's kind of amazing to me. A guy can make a 59-yard field goal for you in the first half, and then you just completely seem like you have no confidence in him in the second half. And that's twice the season that the Chiefs have done that with their replacement kicker. That is not Harrison Butker. So I was surprised they didn't kick the extra point there. I do understand the reasoning, which is, hey, if your offense is amazing, put the offense on the field, go up two scores. Uh, if, we, if they make that, then obviously we're not talking about it right now. But it does sort of – it is an interesting trend for the Chiefs is that they either uh, feel good about their kicker or they feel really bad about their kicker. And I think this makes two straight weeks where if there's a little bit of shakiness, then Andy Reid has really gone away from his special teams. I think, Blair, you know, I, I enjoyed the two-point conversion because the, the situation um, comes down to an easy question, which is do you have more confidence that your offense is going to get the two-point conversion or that your defense is going to stop a two-point conversion? Oddly enough, they were wrong twice on that because the exact opposite happens on both the result. But I still think it's a process over results thing. And I liked the process, but he didn't stick with it late in the game. He chose his defense to get a late stop rather than his offense to convert a four down. And I thought that was completely backwards. I think if you're going to stick with it once, you got to stick with it twice. And I think in here you do stick with it twice. You know, they the Chiefs could have lost this game because Carson's got a really big leg. I thought if the Raiders got to about the 40-yard line, we'd be looking at a field goal attempt to, to try and win the game. And by the way, there were one Devontae Adams uh, toe. Toe tap. Yeah, toe tap away from um, getting into that field goal range. And then all of a sudden the whole story of the game is why didn't Andy Reid leave his offense out there on the field on that four down? 
Exactly. Um, and and why was Clyde Edwards-Alaire the running back that got the attempt that where he ended up you know getting tackled on third down going sideways instead of uh, Jarek McKinnon who had a, a better game or Isaiah Pacheco who's a harder you know seems to be a harder run. Look, they're they're, they're kind of equal in terms of their abilities. They just, some just do different things better. And um, I, I thought that uh, McKinnon anyway he had the he, he ran the toughest tonight. So. Um, listen, uh, so I want to go back to something Jesse said um, uh, with, with the stats, uh, the Raiders seem like a team that would have prevailed tonight. I don't know if you saw, I saw a tweet earlier tonight that the, the Raiders had a 150-yard rusher, of course, uh, Josh Jacobs, 100-yard receiver in Devontae Adams, no turnovers, uh, no more than two punts, uh, and lost the game. They're the first team in NFL history to have all that and not win a game. So <laughs> the Chiefs literally found a way to uh, to do this. So let's go let's, um, let's let's take these one at a time. Let's why don't we start with the the guy I made the the, the KC star of the game and that's tight end Travis Kelsey. Lousy night in, in just about every statistical category, right? Yards per catch. He had seven receptions, 25 yards. 25 yards, that's got to be one of the lowest figures of his career. I don't know what he did except score every touchdown for the Chiefs. And uh, it was, uh, you know, Mahomes' favorite target in the red zone. It's just a, a another example of how valuable he is, he is and what a, um, what a what a great competitor. He's, he, he's not always perfect, but – He's always pretty darn good, and tonight I thought he was uh, a difference maker. Yeah, and the way they defended him was really um, unique, and it's actually – I'm surprised more teams don't defend Travis Kelsey this way. I think I pointed out to Jesse on one of his touchdowns that Max Crosby just blows him up at the line of scrimmage. And so at some point the Raiders had decided that they were going to pull Crosby as far out as it took because we know that Travis Kelsey does not typically line up where the tight end – position traditionally is he's on the hash he's on even sometimes outside the numbers and when he was on the hash they would take max crosby that far off of the edge you know as a defensive end and just chip him before he got to his route but in effect that took away the raiders best weapon tonight which was rushing patrick mahomes with the defensive ends against andrew wiley and orlando brown um but that's why he only had 25 yards receiving and I'd encourage people to go back and watch his third touchdown because he gets knocked almost to the ground. And by, by the time he gains his balance, he immediately turns around to Patrick like, hey, I'm open. And he's still behind the line of scrimmage at that point. And, of course, I mean, I think he ran 52 yards on that play to score a nine-yard touchdown. With a couple of stiff arms. You know what's amazing about Kelsey, too, is, um, again, how opening it up for others it is that game of cat and mouse because one of the big games, biggest plays I was looking it up on the uh, win probability chart. The fifth biggest play of the game was a 28 yard pass to McCole Hardman. It was a big third down and long. The chiefs actually didn't even send Kelsey out on a route because they figured he was going to be double teamed. He actually helped with pass protection to start off with and chip and kind of stay toward the line of scrimmage. So it was weird early in the game, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were so good. Chiefs were leaving guys in to chip them. And then late in the game, Travis Kelsey was so good that the Raiders were pulling off their pass rushers to try to double team him and or just chip him at the line to make sure he couldn't do things. But the essence of that is what the chiefs hoped would happen is that when he got attention, when Travis Kelsey got attention, who opened up Marquez Valdez Scantling, 
CEH on routes uh, out of the backfield, that sort of thing. And then Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hardman. Got to give McCall Hardman a, a kudos, too, for battling this heel injury. We, I wrote about it earlier this week. You know, he's fighting through, but he had an amazing block on Travis Kelsey's third uh, touchdown. Stuck with a block, knocked the guy over, uh, able to get Kelsey in the end zone there. And then, like I said, he took advantage of when Kelsey had extra attention, had two big catches down the sideline, two of the biggest catches of the game for the Chiefs. Again, that partly happens because of how the Raiders are defending Kelsey and because he's taking two guys away. When you take two guys away – Somebody else has got to beat single coverage. That didn't happen for the Chiefs earlier this season. Today, MBS and McCall Hardman and then CEH. All those guys won their matchups, and that's that's how they work together. That's how this whole thing can kind of operate is that when one guy gets more attention, then uh, the Chiefs can take advantage of the other matchups. Mark says he didn't think this was necessarily the loudest he's heard Arrowhead, but it was the maddest, the angriest. <laughs> I, I can – I, I can agree with that, Herbie. Let's go. Let's revisit the the play. Why don't you take us through what happened and 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 then what we'll talk about what Sheffers said after the game and um, and then I want I want to talk about how that play in, may have inspired the Chiefs uh, after afterwards. But Herbie, take us through just what happened. Well, it's a pass play. Obviously, Chris Jones breaks around. I'm, I'm trying to like see how it is here. The right side of the offensive line. Catches car from behind. The ball is knocked loose. And as the he two of them are loose. coming down. Yeah, Jones knocks it loose. But as they're coming down, and, and in the spirit of the rule, I get it. You know, you a, a defensive player cannot use his full body weight driving the quarterback into the ground. That That is what the rule is planned for there. But the ball is loose, okay, because Jones caused the fumble, and now Jones recovers it, but the flag comes. That extends the play, oh, excuse me, the possession, and the course, and then the – the Raiders score, I think it was two plays later. But that, that play there just infuriated Andy Reid and infuriated the sideline, and, and it goes right into what you said. It did kind of like be, it, was, it became a catalyst for the second half. Did you think so, Vahe? I know we talked about it some in the second half, but uh, certainly uh, the, the Chiefs got going the, with the drive at the end of the first half that resulted the quick possession that ended in the, the record, 59-yard field goal, team record from um, – uh, Matthew Wright, and then they scored on their first couple of possessions in the second half. I, I, I do think so. And what, what we the, the ingredient in this that's a little hard to know is how much they actually were specifically affected by uh, irate Andy because they, they're not really used to seeing that. I mean, Andy is very much a guy who wants to project control and, and calmness in, in any situation. Last time I really remember him being animated at all was – him yelling at a Rams player who, who came over to try to listen in on a huddle at, in that get great game in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. Um, and so he seldom shows anything like that. And, and it wasn't like it was a little burst, right? I mean, I think you put it, Blair, that it was, you know, all the right way to the rest of the half. And that was with some timeouts and stuff, but it even went on into halftime. And I, I do think that, 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 that does a little something. It's a little hard to know what, how to measure that. And I do think it's easy for us to envision some fire and brimstone in the in the locker room at halftime, and at, at maybe there was a little edge with that. But I also do think that uh, um, what players were trying to say about halftime was that you know next play we you know we got to just keep playing. So some of that's a little intangible. But I I if you just look at the results after that, and I don't mean just because the next seven penalties went against the. <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders, but there there did seem to be at least some uh, 
some palpable uh, difference in the game, the tone of the game after that. Maybe something else that, that contributed to inspired play by the Chiefs was a little conversation that Patrick Mahomes had with his offensive line um, sometime in the first half because Mahomes was getting, you know, he was getting killed. <laughs> um, and go ahead, Mike. Well, just chime in with this, like the, the words from Patrick, and he said it the same way, I think almost verbatim twice in the, in the postgame news conference, we're going to win or lose this because of y'all. That's, that's pretty salty. Um, and I, 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 I think uh, delivered with an edge probably too, right? I mean, I think he, he was um, appropriately uh, complimentary to some of the things they did after that, but uh, that, that's, that's a telling thing to share, I think. I think he had every right to. You know, when you come off a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with that stout defense and that good pass rush and the front five dominates the Buccaneers, and then you turn around against the Raiders, Max Crosby, two sacks, uh, Chandler Jones with a quarterback hit on the game. They hit Mahomes six times, and they recorded three sacks. So we had every right to be salty, especially knowing the performance they did the week before. So that was a kind of a letdown. And if this is going to be their tune-up game, because we all know who's coming to town next week, the big, bad Buffalo Bills, this was a disappointing tune-up. I wonder if he was looking at Andrew Wiley when he when he said what he did, because um, Wiley was getting his butt beat by Max Crosby early on. So, hey, uh, Brian makes a point. Lucky that uh, Darren Waller was, uh, was out, or else he doesn't see uh, the Chiefs winning this game. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what the Raiders game plan coming in, but they use that additional offensive tackle uh, a lot tonight. And Jesse, what, what did you notice uh, the effectiveness of that? And I think, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I'm in a, a future chiefs opponent, I'm looking at um, you know, what the, the Raiders did. I, I haven't seen that against the chiefs. Yeah, a lot of them to run it down the Chiefs' throat a little bit. And, you know, you kind of are able to dictate personnel when you put the big dudes out there and uh, have to get the Chiefs into their heavier package. And obviously it was it was working. There was one point, I know the graphics on the TV show, the next-gen stats showed that when the Raiders had six offensive linemen out there, they were averaging nine yards of, uh, nine yards of play. And that was even before Josh Jacobs burst another one down the sideline for about 40 yards too. So actually I probably went up from that. So – you know, we kind of knew, I mean, you, you sort of knew last week was the aberration where the Bucks got down immediately 7 nothing. They got the six carries for three yards, but it's Tom Brady. They're going to try to come back. They're going to pass them all around the yard. So the rush defense was going to be tested a little bit more. I think it was even, uh, it was Steve Spagnuolo earlier this week, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who said, hey, I think the Raiders are going to try to run, going to try to run a lot. And you'll see a little bit more about the Chiefs in this particular game. So uh, that was fascinating to kind of watch that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can say that with Waller, but honestly, I mean, think about the Chiefs. Who are they missing? You know, they're missing Trent McDuffie. Uh, we saw that obviously the Raiders had two huge plays down the field where they were picking on uh, some of the Chiefs' younger secondary players. The Chiefs were without Willie Gay, one of their top players on defense. The, the Chiefs were without uh, Trey Smith unexpectedly in this game, you know, sitting out with his pec injury. So there was a lot on the Chiefs' side that was missing too. So I think you weigh both of these things. You know, the Raiders got Renfro back. Uh, they obviously have a healthy Devontae Adams, all those sorts of things. So the bottom line is, again, if, if you are a Chiefs fan looking at this, you won the game. And I, I was talking to Hurry about this before the game, but you lose this one. Let's say the Chiefs went to three and two. You'd have the Bills next week, and then at San Francisco after that in your bye week, 
you could be three and four at the bye week. All of a sudden, you're looking up at the AFC West, at a team like the Chargers or uh, you know somebody else, and you're saying, man, this thing is not in the bag anymore. You go to four and one, you feel really good about your chances. And again, a win is a win is a win. And, and somehow the Chiefs got another one tonight. You really uh, you just have to be happy that they are, were able to pull it off, however they were able to do it. You know, the Chiefs were three and four last year and ended up winning, was it eight in a row, nine in a row, something like that. They, they played great down the stretch, but I wouldn't recommend that. It was, that was a turnovers-fueled slump for the Chiefs in the first two months of last season, and um, that's not, that has not been the case today. No turnovers in this game by, uh, am I right? Yeah, by either team. So, um, Herbie, um, so a couple of uh, are suggesting a couple of uh, in the audience says suggesting Willie Gay comes back next year. That's or next week. That that's not the case, right? He's he's still out for Buffalo. Correct. He cannot. He's not eligible to return until after the Buffalo game. So 49ers will be his first his first game back. Correct. Okay. And you know we usually start with this Herbie, but give us uh, uh, you know Jesse gave us some uh, some little bit of a rundown of who who was available. What did Andy Reid say about the injuries after the game? Yeah, there's actually a couple of big ones here. Tershawn Wharton, their backup defensive lineman, who's a a mainstay in that defensive line rotation, he suffered an ACL injury, so he in all likelihood will be out for the year. You know, without him, because the Chiefs had to turn to Colin Saunders as well as uh, Malik Herring to get more time in the defensive tackle rotation, and and Reid actually complimented Colin Saunders and Herring uh, for their contributions tonight. Brian Cook suffered a, a concussion. This must have happened in the second half because he was in coverage along with Jalen Watson on that long touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. Rashad Fenton, who didn't have a good game, defensive pass interference while covering Devontae Adams, suffered. He was battling some cramps. Uh, Frank Clark dealing with an illness, and their special team standout cornerback Chris Lamonts suffered a hip injury. So they did. They won the game. But my goodness, you got five five injuries here. One of them a big one with Wharton. Yeah, that is a big one. Okay, we'll keep up with the injury reports this week. As as you said, there, Buffalo Bills coming to town on Sunday for a three twenty five kickoff on CBS. So um, Todd asks when when is Butker coming back? I know all of Chiefs fans hope this week. Uh, I was I'm surprised I'm surprised he's been out this long. But, uh, but there's no real indication, is there? No, there really isn't. But you know, as Jesse jokingly always says every day at the Chiefs Media Room, I am on the Harrison Butker beat. <laughs> I think I've written about nine stories on Butker now. Hopefully he is back this week. It's a good sign. We did see him in the locker room today. You know, he was out there on the field standing next to special teams coordinator Dave Tobe during the pregame warm-ups. He wasn't kicking, but he was out there. Uh, look, he suffered his injury in week one. The Chiefs are not saying it's a high ankle sprain, but you know what? When you're out this long, there's there's something wrong with your ankle. Right. Okay, and Chris asks, uh, we'll end it on this one. Can we officially change Melliger's catchphrase to the Raiders are going to Raider? Uh, let me just tell you, Chris, that uh, when on the final play tonight, when or final play for the Raiders, when Renfro and Adams collided on that fourth and one, I thought it was a questionable call for a play call, but when they collided, we all kind of looked at each other and said, well, it's the Raiders. Um, at least people who've been watching the Chiefs Raiders for, for several years. But uh, now uh, that sealed the Chiefs 30 to 29 victory, makes them four and one, and they'll, uh, they'll face the four and one Buffalo Bills here next week.
So for Herbie and Jesse, Sam and Vahe, big thanks to our producer, Monty Davis, and a huge thanks to all of you all for staying up as late as you did and um, and, and, and hanging there, hanging in there with us. We will talk to you on Thursday um, for basically our pregame show. Thanks a lot and good night, everybody. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, and tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition has all of the Chiefs' coverage, the columns, features, news stories, grades, stats, you name it, plus everything else that happened in sports. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.